The Honorable Jean Augustine, a humanitarian and grassroots activist whose contribution expands to many social causes through her involvement on boards such as that of York University, the Hospital of Sick Children, and she also served as the national president of the Congress of Black Women of Canada. Her capacities and work ethic were recognized by political leaders who began to call upon her for various tasks, ranging from the development and launch of Canada's official multiculturalism policy in 1971 to providing advice on cabinet-level appointments. In 1993, Jean Augustine made history as the first African-Canadian woman to be elected to Canada's House of Commons as the Member of Parliament from the Greater Toronto Area constituency of Etobicoke Lakeshore. She served with distinction, winning four consecutive elections until she decided to move on to new challenges in 2006. Today, Jean Augustine continues in the work to help improve the human condition, along with her frontline involvement through the Jean Augustine Center for Young Women's Empowerment, she continues providing her expertise nationally and internationally as relevant. Among hundreds of other earned awards are Unifor Nelson Mandela Lifetime Achievement Award, the University of the West Indies Luminary Award, and the Women's Executive Network naming her one of Canada's most powerful women. Jean Augustine's story is a testament to the power of hard work and devotion in pursuit of social justice. Growing up, I always want to see more people who look like me that were successful. Can I afford to take a risk to follow my dreams? We are excited to bring you the Make Your Mark podcast hosted by philanthropist Kim Niles. The Make Your Mark podcast allows you to hear personal stories of resilience by professionals and public figures of color. Our guests unapologetically share their triumphs, lessons learned, and how they found balance in their experiences. Tune in to equip yourself with strategies and coping mechanisms on how to boldly make your mark. Subscribe and listen now. Hello, Auntie. How are you doing today? Well, it's so good to be with you, Kim. Hope you're having a good day. I am, especially to have you on the podcast today. I am truly honored uh, as you are the first African-Canadian woman to be elected into Canada's House of Commons as the member of parliament. Wow, what an accomplishment. I would love for you to tell our viewers how that all became. <laughs> how much time have we got? You're talking about a lifetime. Oh, man. Um, it's, it's interesting where everyone begins with, you were the first African-Canadian woman, the first Black woman to be elected to the House of Commons in 1993. But I had a whole life <laughs> before 1993. 
I, uh, you know, I was born in Grenada. I came to Canada in the Caribbean, uh, Canada-Caribbean domestic scheme. I worked in the home of a Canadian family. I, I struggled. I went to teacher's college. I got my teaching certificate. Um, I started um, as a classroom teacher, vice principal, principal, supervisory officer, worked my way through, was appointed to different uh, boards uh, and, uh, and commissions, was the first black woman on, you know, something like uh, Hospital for Sick Children or the Donwood Institute, the Board of Harborfront, so many things, uh, and uh, was head of Metro Toronto Housing Authority, and uh, on and on and on. And at the same time, I was very much engaged with uh, with the society in Toronto, as I found it, where there were so many uh, racist um, and lacking in policies for complaints for um, for individuals of um, what we now call the bike park uh, uh, and uh, LGBT, you know, SQ. I mean, so many things were missing, and so and so. I started more or less in the life of activism and advocacy, trying to make the society fair and just and equitable so that all of us could be seen in every place in the land and have a voice in every issue that happened. So my getting to the point of being the first Black woman to run um, and to be elected to the Parliament of Canada um, was uh, at the end of a whole progression of um, of uh, life events, advocacy, activism, caring about community, wanting to make change, and trying to find a place where the change uh, um, ought to be made, whether it was in the policy area, legislation, and those things that would help us to build a community and to participate in the life of the community. And so in 1993, when I took that big jump, um, I was at the time not, uh, not a teenager, not a youngster. I was, um, I had spent, as I said, you know, um, a, a professional life at very, very high levels, you know, managing offices, managing people, uh, managing programs, strategizing around the whole series of things. So when I got to the Parliament of Canada, um, the, of course, the place is different. The, um, the, the way of working is different. But at the same time, I had what I call the transferable skills that I brought with me. And I also brought with me a passion uh, to get things done, a passion to use that venue to make sure that, um, that I could move some programs, I could move some things, I can work in policy areas, I can find, um, the, the word they use now is allies, but in those days, you know, it's just find people to be uh, supported, to be part of a team, support other people's programs so that they in turn can support what I wanted to put on the, on the, on the table for my community. And, um, so 1993 was an important year for us as um, African Canadians. And my campaign was a small one. It started with, um, with just myself and one other person 
um, uh, early 19, um, 1992, having made the decision and going knocking from door to door and then building and building and having more and more people come on board. And because I was a principal in the area of uh, where, um, where I was running, Etobicoke Lakeshore, as I went from door to door, I start picking up other supporters and other people. So I keep talking about the little engine that could. Mine was the little engine that could. And um, what one needs to get into politics is really to have a large measure of support, to have the funds so that you can you know, do all that's necessary um, to run a good campaign. Uh, to be affirmed in terms of uh, your ideological beliefs, where you stand on, on issues and, and, uh, and the party um, platform where you agree with the, party, with, the, with the platform or how you agree with the platform and how you're able to get there and, uh, and, uh, and be, uh, I was a liberal, so, you know, put out the liberal platform, get the liberal support, and uh, and at the same time recognizing that I was going to represent an area, and my my task was really to um, to know what uh, the constituents want, know what I will bring to Ottawa, and know the kind of responses that I want to get from Ottawa to bring back to my community. Did you feel that you were always called to activism? Did I feel I was? You were called to activism? I think, I think from the very, I grew up in, a, in an extended family situation with lots of cousins around and um, lots of adult, um, adult women that I called, I now call them, they were the matriarchs. Um, there were men around, but I remember all the anti this and the anti the other. They were the ones who controlled uh, the money, the education of the children, the supportive uh, family environment, et cetera. And, um, and so I was in an environment that was empowering. You know, I usually say, um, my grandmother said, uh, yes, you can, um, as a girl, way before Obama said it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, at the same time, you know, I grew up at a time when the education of boys, the boys were more important than the girls. The boys were the ones that families put together envelopes to send them away. Uh, to uh, to school because we had nothing post-secondary uh, on the island of Grenada. If you wanted to be a doctor, you wanted to be an engineer, you wanted some professional, you had to go away. And uh, the families were preparing for boys to go away, but there was not a lot of preparation for girls to go away. And uh, so I had a grandmother who knew you know, that education was the answer. Education was important. Girl, you can go far. Girl, education will raise the family's nose. And I never knew what that meant. Um, and, uh, and you can do it. Uh, yes, you can. And uh, over and over. And those words have since stayed with me. Those were the guiding words. Uh, those words said, you know, that you have to overcome. So resilience was built into me from, and advocacy was built into me from a very early age. And I came upon something a while, um, a number of years ago that, that, I, um, that I, I brought about that recollection. And it was um, Angela Davis who said, you know, the, 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 the saying that 
Lord, help me to accept the things I cannot change. She flipped that around and she said, you know, help me to change the things I cannot accept. (laughs) And I felt it very early. I was out to change the things that I could not accept. I could not accept that the landlord can say, it's for rent, but not to you. I could not accept that, um, that there were no promotional opportunities. I could not accept that school boards were uh, and trustees were making decisions that affected the lives of so I could there were so many things I could not accept and so when you cannot accept and you want to change the things you cannot accept then you are an activist and an advocate and so I was from day one and I've spent the last 60 or more years of my life in this country in that mode of advocacy in that mode of activism and in that mode of creating opportunities where there are none, so that we could have this fair and just and equitable and diverse and inclusive society that I think we, we, we want. We are in difficult times now, as we see the, the, the situation of our indigenous uh, um, peoples across the country, as uh, we recognize especially those of us who have the immigrant experience, who never studied or never um, had a way to focus on the situation of peoples who were here before us and where we accepted, you know, that uh, um, the situation as it was, I think there is an awareness now. And this past pandemic has also given us the opportunity for that awareness as we sat back in the 20, uh, 2020 and we'd see who uh, the cracks that opened up in the society, uh, the haves and the have nots, who were the essential workers, who were the caregivers, the situation of women and their families and, and the education of our children, virtual and, and, and otherwise. So many things opened up. And then, of course, the the Floyd um, and Black Lives Matter and what's happening in the judicial system uh, around uh, around our people, especially our Black men. And so, so much being part of that uh, past year into this year's discussion, as we look forward to building back better, as they say, going forward, what can we learn, like the Sankofa, what have we learned from back there that we bring to the present, that we do that examination so that we can go forward in a society where so many things, so many past wrongs must be recognized and that we amend all of those things for the next generation. Wow, well said, beautiful. Looking to consolidate your debt? in the market to purchase your first home? Interested in acquiring an investment property? Look no further. More Freedom is here to serve you. We aim to furnish our clients with the power and the confidence over their finances and a sense of accomplishment of taking the first step to get there. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at I Want More Freedom. And you can always connect with us via our website at morefreedom.ca. What would you say your biggest accomplishment has been to date? Well, it's hard to talk about biggest accomplishment 
I can say that I've accomplished uh, different things. I mean, fact that I was in the in the boardroom of so many, um, that I was the first in in so many different areas, the first woman to sit in the speaker's chair in the Parliament of Canada. Uh, the first, um, there were so many things I can say, those are accomplishments. But if one says, what's your biggest accomplishment? Well, as a mother, you say, my children are my biggest accomplishments. And then if you say, well, you know, what then is, could you uh, you could you see as an accomplishment? I think the things that stand as legacy, the fact that um, we have, um, I have been honored by so many things being named after me, um, stand as legacy. And then I would say, you know, I'm not sure if they were accomplishments, but I think they're, they're recognition of what is considered by others as accomplishment, that they would, the city would name a park or the, or the, the city of Vaughan would name a, a center and, um, you know, and uh, high school would be named. I consider those kind of legacy, but they are recognition of my accomplishment. I think that um, we just came through the 25th anniversary of um, Black History Month in Canada. And I think that was a great accomplishment, being able to steer my colleagues around to talk about the issue of uh, the situation of um, uh, Indigenous and Black people that were not in any of our history books. And, uh, and to have them acknowledge uh, February as Black History Month in Canada, when we can look at uh, Black people having been here 1603, we part of the settlement, we part of the development, we part of the growth. There were past wrongs in, within the society, but we struggled on, we made our contribution. And uh, to have that all recognized um, as part of Black History Month, I would say that that is that is a, an achievement because um, that month and that designation having passed by the um, the parliament, um, both in the um, my motion in the House of Commons and later on uh, Senator, um, uh, just lost his name now, passed in the uh, supported in the in the Senate chamber. The only way we they can pull Black History Month is to have someone stand up in the House and rescind uh, the motion. And we know that that would happen. At the same time, I think that that stand is a great achievement. And uh, another something that I'm proud of is the fact that on the Parliament on Parliament Hill there are statues of Black sorry statues of women. The famous five. Those were the women who in 1925, between 25, 28, um, got the Privy Council to acknowledge uh, that women were indeed persons in law in Canada, because prior to that, there were, uh, they were no, um, uh, no women um, statues, and no women recognition around uh, the House of Commons, because the rule says only dead monarchs, and of course, um, the only dead monarch around there, Queen Victoria, and um, prime ministers who are nation builders, not just any prime minister, but a prime minister who is doomed, who is called um, a nation builders, a nation builder. And so we know that we would not have had women around the, the Parliament of Canada. Now we have the famous five because I spent uh, time on working with the motion, working as a team, working with others 
to make sure that we could get that statue in Parliament Hill. I think it's important, Kim, for me to say, it's very important for me to say, to acknowledge that all the stuff that I have done, all the, um, the areas that I have pushed to cover and the things that I've advocated for, I have never done it on my own. I don't, and I'm saying to you, I've never stood up and take the credit for anything and everything by myself. I've often, I've always worked with team, with a supportive environment, with a community who is there saying, yes, girl, go for it. My grandmother's word, yes, you can. But, you know, I, I know the old African saying, if you want to go far or if you want to go fast. And if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you take others with you. And I've always tried to go far and I've always tried to uh, recognize that others have to come along with me because this is why I'm doing this, not for any personal, um, any personal gain or anything like that. As a result, um, uh, Kim, I have no money. I'm not a rich woman. <laughs> what would you say the biggest lesson you've learned on your journey? The biggest lesson <laughs> is really to uh, to get along with to get along with others and to bring others along. I think that is life's lesson, you know. And uh, the other is be resilient, and I learned that very early. You fall on your behind. You have to pick yourself up, as the song says. Dust yourself off and keep going again, because every life has its up and down. Every struggle has its up and down. There are times when you are going to be rebuffed. There are times when you're going to, uh, you have, but you have to. I think it was which one of the American um, thing who said um, it. You may not be responsible for falling down, but you are responsible for picking yourself up. Uh, and so I've learned that. I've learned. Um, over the years that uh, it's important uh, to be resilient. It's important not to, um, to spend time on the negatives, but see negative as, um, as a way. Uh, there was an old Chinese saying that, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the opportunity is, uh, is the other side of that. So whatever it is, I've always been very hopeful. I've always been very, um, very uh, conscious of the fact that um, that I have a responsibility to community and I have a responsibility to make sure that the world, that I leave the world a better place than I found it. And where did that inspiration come from and motivation for you? Well, I think I mentioned earlier that growing up uh, in an environment where though you see people caring for others, you know, they all say in there, but for the grace of God, you know, when someone comes, um, you know, to ask for something or to beg for something, that that could be you caught in another in a different situation. And I learned very early to give back the old saying again, to whom much is given, much is expected. Um, I learned very, very early to share, to give back, to be responsible, uh, to care for others. And I'm sure you know the old, um, the old saying, everything I know I learned in kindergarten, play fear, hold hands. <laughs> uh, you know, all of those things you learn very early and you take, you take that on passionately 
and um, and uh, caring for community, caring for others, involving oneself. Because there are lots of us who kind of lots of people who sit back and let other people do it. Let other people do it. And we see this right now with the um, the vaccine and stuff like that. There were some people who, you know, I was talking to someone a few days ago. Uh, she doesn't know whether she's going to get the get the vaccine. And I said, well, <laughs> the thing is that if you don't want to get it for yourself, you get it for the people around you. You know, so we always have to have that sense that we are not singularly in a world of our own, that we are connected in different ways and that what we do affect others and what, you know, so it's not that we are a player just floating in, in, in whatever by ourselves, but we're connected. And so we have a responsibility to each other, just as we have a responsibility to ourselves. Beautiful. And as we begin to wrap up, my second to last question I have for you is what is your definition of success? Oh, well, I never think about success um, in the sense of um, in the sense of accumulating um, um, high priced cars, big houses and money. I think success, my definition of success is self-satisfaction. When at the end of the day, you can say, wow. I did that. I came through this well. I made a difference in the lives of someone. To me, that is success. When you can help somebody, when at the same time you get that self-satisfaction as a result, that joy that comes from knowing that you've helped someone reach a solution. And um, to me, that is success because we know all the other material things that is usually associated with success is usually a path down that oftentimes does not lead to what I call happiness. Miss Augustine, thank you so, so very much for taking the time today to share your wisdom and true knowledge and life experience with us. On the final question, I would love for you to give your message to a young Black student today. Well. One of the things that I, I, I think is important to say to young people is the fact that they have to know themselves. They have to know their history. Know yourself, know your history. Read, read, read about the history of Black people, Black people in this country, Black people in the world, Black people in Africa. Right now you have um, all the, the media, the communication, and all of those things that could assist you in finding out a little bit more about yourself. And once you know yourself and you know your history, be affirmed, be affirmed so that no one can take you off your game if you know yourself. No one can make you a victim. No one can put you down because you have that self-knowledge and strength. And the other thing I usually say is take risk. Don't go down the path that is well-trodden and well-walked upon. Make a path of your own. And then the last question I usually ask young people, what is your passion? What is your passion? What do you see as your goal in life? What do you want to do? What do you think will bring you happiness? And if you can identify your passion, then take the risk and go down that path 
despite what else might be happening around you, with the full knowledge that you know yourself, you know who you are, and uh, you're ready to, uh, you, you take the risk leading to the fulfillment of your full potential. Thank you so very much. You've been listening to the Make Your Mark podcast. You can visit our website and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at makeyourmark.ca. And please subscribe, rate, and review.